welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, where we talk about all things self-care for those of us who are, let's face it, too busy for self-care. It's time to bring that same compassion that you offered everyone else in your life to yourself as well. In this podcast, you'll hear real life stories of how self-care transformed people's lives as they were going through life's storms. You'll learn practical, actionable tools to begin the self-care journey yourself as well. Because like I always say, small changes make a large impact. I'm your host, Dr. Sheetal Ajmani. I'm a physician, best-selling author, and the founder of Radiant Living Institute, where I guide people to get unstuck and learn to live radiantly again. Through my signature program, Reclaim Your Radiance, you'll reclaim your worth, renew your energy, and restore your happiness in your life, career, and relationships. To get started, download your free guidebook, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life at RadiantLivingInstitute.com. Quick disclaimer before we get started, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Always seek the advice of your own medical practitioner and or mental health provider about your specific situation. Now, let's get started. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Rashmi Shram to the Essential Self-Care Podcast. Dr. Shram is a family medicine physician, and we have actually been connected through social media for years, but it wasn't until recently that we hopped on a call and got to know each other a bit more. She, like myself, is an avid meditator, yogi, and mindfulness practitioner who now brings these tools to coach busy, high-achieving women tap into their own inner peace and power so that they can confidently live more energetic and fulfilling lives. It's almost like we've been on parallel paths in some ways over the past few years, and so I'm really excited to chat with Dr. Shram here today, and I know that you, our listeners, will get so much value from this conversation. Welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, Dr. Shram. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here, Dr. Ajmani. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm really excited about our topic today. So today, Dr. Shram is going to share a bit of her expertise in a self-care modality called yoga nidra or yogic leap, which actually I did just yesterday. So I practiced it myself yesterday and I'll give Dr. Shram an opportunity to explain more about what yoga nidra is, but just setting some context, I had driven back from a road trip and this was just yesterday afternoon as of the day of this recording. And I was tired, but not sleepy. And I knew I needed rest but not a nap. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to lay down and do yoga nidra. And I have this guided yoga nidra that I, that's my go-to. It's in Hindi. So I can't recommend that one specifically for most of my listeners are not Hindi speakers. Some of, some are, but not all, but I listened to that and oh my goodness, I tell you, I just felt so refreshed afterwards. So Can you, Dr. Shram, start off by just letting our listeners know what yoga nidra even is? Yeah, absolutely. So yoga just means union, right? So mind, body, spirit. And so reminding ourselves of what yoga is. And then nidra just means sleep. And so it is a sleep-based meditation, not in the sense that we are asleep the entire time that we're meditating. But what we know for sure, if we had EEG machines on you yesterday, what we would see is right if you're on a long trip or if you're if you're using a good portion of your brain we're 
you know, in these beta brainwave states there, it's a, it's, it's very, very necessary for moving through life. But when we go into yoga nidra, what we see pretty quickly is even a first time practitioner goes into alpha brainwave states. Those are those really programmable, you know, you, you, you feel very, very relaxed in that almost like you're asleep, but you're not, but in long-term practitioners, and even in first time practitioners, we see even deeper brainwave states. So we see Delta and Theta. So, and, and they are following the guidance. And so when, we have something that powerful, what we know for sure is we're giving the mind a very deep rest and we're giving the body a very deep rest. And we're giving the mind-body system the capacity to go into homeostasis, which is that dynamic non-rest in the midst of constant change, right? So it's the dynamic non-change in the midst of constant change. And so when we go into that, that's really a very healing space, which is probably why you felt so refreshed when you came out of that nidra yesterday or last night. It's something that I feel really strongly about. I have quite a few students who practice it. And I just got back from a retreat where we practice yoga nidra on a daily basis. And, and there are so many different iterations and variations and, and just such a vast array of things that we can do within a guided meditation like yoga nidra. I love that. And a phrase that really stuck out to me that you said was dynamic non-change in the midst of change because life is always changing and we're always on the move. And I feel like for many of us, our nervous system is just constantly activated. Like our sympathetic nervous system is just constantly activated and in overdrive. And I don't know, that phrase just really stuck out to me, this dynamic non-change in the midst of change. So we know that many of us are in sympathetic nervous system overdrive. Just our nervous system is just continually activated, nervous system dysregulation. And, you know, that can look like stress, overwhelm, feeling disconnected from your body, your mind-body connection, all sorts of things. And intellectually, many of us can know, hey, we need to take a pause in our day in some way, shape, or form, right? And we've heard of so many different ways that we can take a pause, right? There's lots of different ways. So what sets yoga nidra apart from maybe some other ways of taking rest? So like I can even give the example, right? Like I was thinking to myself yesterday afternoon, should I take a nap? Well, I'm not really sleepy. I'm going to do yoga nidra instead, right? But there's so many different ways that we can take a pause. What sets yoga nidra apart? Yeah. So I wouldn't say that any one modality is superior to any other. It just depends on what people are looking for. So, you know, the difference between yoga nidra and a nap is when we go into these states of alpha brain waves, the kind of yoga nidra that I teach, the lineage really has to do with intentions, right? So we have intentions and affirmations. And so we're kind of reprogramming the brain. We're rewiring the brain uh, in a very intentional way. And so that I would say is what sets it apart from maybe just, you know, a nap, but I am a huge fan of naps. So I would never say don't take a nap. I would never, you know, advocate for one thing over a nap, for example. But, uh, you know, when I take a nap, I usually wake up really groggy and it might take me another 20, 20, 30 minutes um, to, to kind of really reestablish my routine, especially if it's later in the day. Whereas what we know from lots and lots of studies, personal experience and experience with my students is 
you know, the, the a yoga nidra practice actually helps us fall asleep faster and better at night, regardless of what time of the day or night that you've practiced a yoga nidra. And so it's almost in a way of reteaching the mind body system, how to come back from that sympathetic overdrive that you just talked about back into the sort of rest and restore parasympathetic response. And so we're relearning, reteaching, and really using some very simple methods like breath work, like body awareness, like, you know, just a simple amount of mindfulness. We're really just using these different states to bring about a very intentional rejuvenation for the mind and body. So I would say that's what sets it apart. But I would never say, like I said, that it's superior in any way. I agree with you completely. And, you know, one of the main premises of the show is is to expose people to different modalities of self-care and wellness. And really, you know, I don't believe in a one size fits all approach to self-care either. So really for our listeners, you know, listening, learning and adopting and trying things out yourself and seeing what works for you. And then also another really valuable thing that I found even in my own journey and that I guide clients through as well is really just building your toolbox of different tools. And then as you continue to cultivate that mindfulness and self-awareness, you're able to draw from your toolbox to pull out which self-care modality you need in a certain moment, you know? Like there's other days when I come back from a road trip and 100% I need a nap, but I knew yesterday that wasn't it. I knew that I needed something a little bit different. And so that's what starts to happen as you start to explore some of these different self-care modalities and start trying it out. So something else that I always say is just become a student of your life. Become a student of your own life, your body, your mind, your emotions. Try things out. See what it feels like for you. And what self-care looks like for you may look completely different than for your significant other or your family, another family member or a friend or a colleague. There are a couple other things that you mentioned that I wanted to reflect on. I loved that you shared that practicing yoga nidra also helps you, no matter what time of day you practice it, also helps you fall asleep at night. Because I know a lot of our listeners and a lot of clients I work with have a really hard time falling asleep at night. And part of that is related to what we talked about, just that chronic sympathetic overdrive throughout our day. And so then it can be really hard to like unwind in the evening. And so, and really, you know, give your body the signals that it's time to turn down for the evening. And so I thought that was a really valuable nugget too, you know, that any time of day that you practice yoga nidra, it, it can help you sort of retrain, relearn. And I love that, you know, all of, all of this life is like remembering. And we talk about this in yoga quite a bit, right? It's about remembering, recalling, reminding ourselves of these aspects of ourselves that are just innate to who we are. But when we move through life and just various life stressors, we can drift away from it or we can lose touch with some of those aspects. It's all just about reconnecting. And that's a big part of why my signature program is called Reclaim Your Radiance as well. Just kind of rediscovering these parts of yourself and getting back in touch with it. And yoga nidra, among other practices as well, as you mentioned, mindfulness, breath work, meditation, affirmations, all of these things are different processes, modalities, tools to help us remember. And specifically when we're looking at like mind-body practices, you're also in many ways, retraining your body to come back into its own innate state of balance and alignment. 
No, that's absolutely right. And to your point of what it's not a one size fits all, I think that makes a whole bunch of sense. And I also like how you talked about, hey, look, a lot of the people that I help actually have trouble falling asleep at night. And so this could be a really, really useful thing. And in fact, I will say 80% of all the women who come to work with me at some time or the other have had issues of either falling asleep or being asleep at 2 a.m. And they all just absolutely love their yoga nidra practices that um, that we kind of begin to practice. And, you know, it, it isn't just that it's, it, it's not just that we're thinking a certain way so we can fall asleep or anything like that. You know this. There are physiological changes that start to happen in the body as well. And there's some pretty incredible neurotransmitter changes that we've seen that tend to happen very, very readily quickly, as well as continue on. But within about six weeks or so of five days a week of a nidra practice, for example, what we see, and these are published studies, show a significant increase in serotonin. So 35 to 40% endogenous serotonin. We also see DHEA increase. We see melatonin increase. So that would make sense for the sleep. Um, and, and really what's astounding to me is there is an almost 60% increase in dopamine, which is sort of this, you know, we're constantly looking for that dopamine hit in all different areas of our lives, whether it's through email or a text or social media or whatever it is, right? Like our brain is constantly looking for dopamine. So, so what, what it really amounts to is if there's particularly like an addiction or something that someone is trying to break, they will often use a modality like yoga nidra in, a, in addition to some other modalities as well. You may know this, but Andrew Huberman, Huberman podcast, he talks often about yoga nidra. He ended up calling it NSDR or non-sleep deep rest. And he talks about how he doesn't mean to have it be a cultural misappropriation, but more of a way, you know, this guy, he works at Stanford and absolutely everyone wanted to try an NSDR session, but no one wanted to try a yoga nidra session, right? So we might show up with these notions of whatever we think it conjures up, unfortunately, because <laughs> that's just how societally we're conditioned. And he talks about how he, I think in over 10 plus years, he has never missed a single day of a nidra practice. And so it, the added benefits as we practice this for a long period of time, just like with anything else, when we dive deep into one thing can be so much bigger than we can imagine. That's amazing. So for everyone listening, like all of those neurohormones and neurotransmitters that Dr. Shram mentioned, they all are like your feel good neurohormones. They all help you feel good. So that is awesome. And that 60% increase, I mean, that is a very significant increase. Like that's amazing that you mentioned with the dopamine. And what I also really liked, and, and the same holds true with other forms of meditation and research and studies that I've looked at there, that the effects really are cumulative. The effects to your nervous system, the effects to your body it's real, and your physiology is really cumulative over time, which I think is really wonderful. And one thing that I emphasize, I mean, I know you had mentioned kind of in the studies they looked at five days a week or every day. One thing that I always counsel and advise clients when I'm teaching them meditation though, is that it doesn't necessarily have to be every day, but find a consistency that works for you, realizing that the benefits are cumulative. So any amount that you do is going to help you feel better, which I think is just really important, especially for our listeners here with essential self-care, where we really want to help break down barriers and myths around self-care needing to take a lot of uh, a lot of time or something that you need to take a lot of time out of. It's it's but if you're able to practice 
any of these tools or modalities that the benefits really are cumulative over time, which is really wonderful. Now, that being said, I do have a couple of really practical and logistical questions for you. So if someone is just starting out with a yoga nidra practice, okay, here's two questions in one. One, how long should they practice for in terms of a duration of a single session? What is recommended? And then the second question is, where do you even recommend they start? Like, I know there's a lot of, you know, guided audios and videos on YouTube and such. Like, is there a specific place that you recommend people start? And then, and also for like how long for a single session? Yeah. I mean, they're actually have beginning, middle and ends each, each one of these do, and they're very specific in the way that they're put together. And so they're meant to sort of drop you off into, I mean, it's a transcendental meditation. So it is meant to drop you off into kind of this Turiya or this blissful state at some point and pick you back up. If we're talking, uh, you know, just in the term, like a kind of from a facilitator standpoint. And so they can be as short as something like 18 minutes, Um, But sometimes it can be as long as 35, 40 minutes. And so you might just pick one that tends to work for you. There are plenty on YouTube. The really, I actually have a a few that are completely free on YouTube, but they are unlisted because it's something again from the lineage that I teach from that they, you know, if someone doesn't understand the sacredness of a yoga nidra practice, you don't necessarily just want to kind of have that out there as like a, Hey, you know, this is free you try this out. But if someone listens to the podcast and they look at your show notes, I'd be thrilled to give them the links just so they can have something to practice with. That doesn't really mean, you know, that they have to invest in anything, for example. That would be great. And I will include Dr. Shram's contact information and links in the show notes, as well as mine, of course, <laughs> which which our listeners know how to reach out to me as well. So if you are listening and you want to get access to Dr. Shram's guided yoga nidra practices, just reach out to either one of us after the show and we'll be happy to send that over to you. Now, another question I have, and and you kind of alluded a little bit to it just now, and let me set some context before I ask this question. You know, one thing that I've noticed in more pop media of talking about things like meditation and breath work and yoga is almost this idea that it's good for everyone. And while on some level, I agree that there's generally more benefits than not of these practices. I also come into it and when I'm guiding my clients have an awareness of the fact that these practices, while proven to help process traumas, can also trigger some of those traumas in the process, right, of that. It can bring up emotional memories and experiences really to be healed and to be processed, but that can be, if you're not expecting it, it can be disturbing. It can be upsetting. And so I always advise people if they notice anything like that, definitely to be working with a guide or a coach such as yourself, Dr. Shram, such as myself, who can hold some space for that. Are there any sort of precautions that you would want people to know of if they are to start or try a yoga nidra practice? Oh, for sure. I love talking about this. Thank you for bringing it up. So absolutely. Yes. I see it literally on a daily basis that there will be, you know, old pain that shows up. Right. And we as a society are so conditioned to avoid pain at all costs. 
And the truth is pain is a part of life. None of us living on this planet right now in a human suit is ever going to go through this life without pain, right? And so, and and we think really pain, like pain is bad, pleasure is good. Pain is bad, pleasure is good, right? Like we're conditioned that way. And oftentimes what we do, and it's really incredible, is we put things away that are either too painful for us to process in that moment, or it happened when we were children and we had no capacity for us to, right? And so we, be, we become kind of almost disembodied in so many different ways. And so if you have something that's connecting the mind, body, and spirit, well, something will show back up. And, and it is a very important uh, context and pretext. And it can be a very, a very powerful catharsis. It can be a very, very powerful experience, right? And really it's the, it's the holding space for people after a Nidra, for example, that is so, so important. So for example, I'm running a live Nidra session right now that lasts for six weeks. Um, just had a session last night. And, and really what I always do is I always stay for 20 minutes afterwards because there will be people with questions. There will be people with other things, right? I was just talking about an in-person retreat that I just led. And one of the things that my retreat partner and I started to notice was we really, we left 10 minutes between, you know, a Nidra practice and like some other things starting. And it took us almost 30 minutes between, you know, 12, 13 people and what showed up to just be able to get grounded again and go over kind of these, these ground knowings that we have is yes, it's, coming up because it's coming to go right in all of these experiences that we've had in our lives. And by the way, trauma is the norm. Trauma is the norm. It is not something that is something wrong with us. It, 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 and it, and it isn't something like we have to reject. It's not something that we have to be scared of. It's there. It's actually ruling our lives. We're, we're really running, running from things, avoiding things for the most of our lives. And so Really, it's this idea, it's a mindset of shifting towards the pain rather than running away from it that I think is a huge shift when someone comes to work with me. And the amount of freedom that that gives them, the amount of ease that that gives them, that the amount of expansion in their professional lives, their personal lives, and it's a skill, it's a practice, it's a lifelong practice that when we are able to just allow these things to pass, they are not who we are. They are not even part of who we are. They are coming to go. And that's really a very important part of any deeper meditative practice like yoga nidra. And to bring that full circle, they are coming up to go, to be released so that we can remember who we are at the core. So we can reconnect, rediscover, remember who we are. I love that. I love so much of, of what you shared. And so for our listeners, if you give this a go at home through like a guided pre-recorded sort of practice and you notice things coming up for you, please reach out to Dr. Shram or myself or someone else in your life who you can be a trusted guide to help hold some space for you. And I love that you hold space for your clients and your students after each session. I think that's so important. I also really love that you mentioned that trauma is the norm. And that's why I wanted to bring this up. And that's why it's, I'll be honest, one of my pet peeves with kind of pop media portrayal of all of these practices and not mentioning that because I've definitely had clients who try, you know, a meditative practice, let's just say, and these things come up and they weren't expecting it. And then there can be a lot of self-judgment. I've seen this, a lot of self-judgment of, 
I can't meditate. Like all these really disturbing thoughts and experiences come up. And I think just realizing that pretty much all of us have some sort of trauma and that these things can come up. And just like you said, I mean, you said it so beautifully. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It means that you are human. And these are all things that are meant to, when they come up, to be released and processed. And like you said, often we are in a very disembodied state, right? And so when we begin to cultivate that mind-body connection, it's natural that that will happen because our body really does hold on to so many of these things. So I am so appreciative of you, Dr. Shram, and just this time that you've spent with me today to share this information with our listeners. For anyone who wants to learn more about you and the work that you're doing, where can they find you? It's actually really simple. I'd love to connect. So it's just my name. It's rushmishram.com. I almost always have some kind of new program that's coming up for somebody that might want to dip their toes in any kind of meditation. I also do a lot of deep dives. It's called The Power Within. I do one-on-one work. And I have a completely free YouTube channel that has a lot of evidence-based meditations in there. If someone wants to try those. So really just connect anytime if if this sounds interesting to you. I'm also on, you know, Instagram and currently on TikTok as well. So <laughs> Facebook. People people have been telling me to join TikTok. So many people have been telling me and I just have not been able to do it yet. It's actually really addictive. So it's the one platform <laughs> where I have to um, have a timer set on my phone and I have to get out when the timer goes out. Otherwise I might lose a whole hour. It was like a whole thing when I first started. And um, yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's a really addictive platform. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good to know. I think I'm still going to hold off on it for a bit, but thank you again so much for being here. And I will leave all of Dr. Shram's uh, website, YouTube channel, contact info in the show notes. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a positive review and share this episode with someone you know. And remember your free guide, six simple yet powerful steps to create your radiant life is waiting for you at radiantlivinginstitute.com. Download it today.